0: wouldn't normally let the intro music run a little bit longer there but this is episode three of the move the mountain back podcast and i already started the podcast without hitting the record button so um it was good practice for the introduction uh today we've got uh owner of diamond fitness dean white with us dean welcome thanks mate um we are really keen as part of the Australian pitching development platform to integrate not just throwing a baseball harder, but all the parts that allow you to throw a baseball harder and and be a better athlete. And obviously uh, in the 2020s, the strength and conditioning component of sport is critical. And the last podcast we did with Tyler Anderson, founder of Australian pitching development was You know, I said to him, what what happened with COVID and why are guys throwing harder? And he said, they had a year off to train. And look what's happened. Every guy is coming out and absolutely blowing smoke. So it seemed like a really cool time early in the piece to talk to one of our partners about an element of what we're offering that's super critical. The other interesting thing, I guess, about you as a partner is you signed a pro deal and you were an elite athlete with a number of elite tools and it didn't work out. And when we talked offline, you were kind of had some insights like I just wasn't strong enough. I didn't have – I didn't know what I needed to do from a strength and conditioning perspective as well as some other challenges being on a team where very few people spoke English and all this eye-opening stuff. So I really wanted to kick off the, the podcast with your um, kind of insights into your experience in professional baseball and what you bring to the strength and conditioning side of things now.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, thanks, mate. It's, it's exciting to be here, um, and uh, I feel like I've already said this once. Um, but uh, look, it's it's for me. I guess the the, the back story of me is is I I signed a pro deal in two thousand and one uh, with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves are my team um my my dad had worked in atlanta when i when i was six years old we flew in to, to visit him and he had a braves cap for me so from the age of six i was a i was a braves fan um you know maddox glavin smoltz chipper jones you know that that was my team i just was so to sign with them and to go and get the opportunity to get over there was was awesome um i got i got good money um and um at the and at the time and even still like it was uh 225 us was what i signed for um and if i didn't go there i would have gone to oregon state with benro um so i had two really good options and i was excited to um to get over there and get me mi- and you know mix it with everyone and and like you said tools were good like i was you know i had a plus arm i was pl- my, my number one tool was speed i my probably my best 60 was like a 6460 something like that um played shortstop um, but I was at the time six two and a bit 78 kilos and um, and I'm rocking into spring training ready to compete with men um, guys that have come out of junior college programs you know guys that have come off come out of the rice fields in the Dominican Republic and then there's a kid from from Perth that's never really had to go through a lot of adversity has probably been one of the best players in his team for the most part of, of his time playing, so you know I've got I've got to find it and i and because it'd be good content is I've got a photo of me standing in front of my, my locker on my one of my first couple of weeks of spring training with Garrett Jones who played in the big leagues with the Twins and the Yankees and I look like his son <laughs> and um and you know I'm supposed to be uh, I'm supposed to be there to compete for a spot against guys like this and I just look like a little boy and so. You know, from my perspective, I think the, the rally was is I was, I lifted, I did lift weights and, and I did have a, I, I thought I had a good understanding of what it took to be at that level. And I guess the single biggest difference is that when you're a kid, not everyone's trying to do what you're trying to do. So just by taking the extra session, you know, going to the gym put me ahead of the curve of everyone. By doing my strength conditioning, put me, like if I did a speed session, not everyone was doing that. When you get to professional baseball, everyone's doing that. So to outwork the competition at that next level is a whole new ball game, and I probably didn't ever really understand that. Um, so I was kept doing what I was doing, kept doing what I was told. But you've got to remember that's the absolute bare minimum. So if I'm just doing showing up to practice, doing my standard, you know, strength conditioning sessions, and um, and just going out there about my business, I'm doing the bare minimum. Even though I think I'm working hard, I'm doing more than I've ever done in my life, um, and so I think that's that's part of the part of the thing that really um, I didn't understand when I was getting there is you, is you rock in and you think, yeah, I'm, I'm really prepared, and you're probably not doing enough before you've even got there. Mm. So, um, you know, so there's that challenge. And then I think there's like, so that, and that's just from a physical aspect, but then there's all the other stuff that, that ties itself in with it. And so as soon as anyone from that, that I have a relationship with signs a a contract and is going to go to Pro Bowl, I immediately text them, call them, whatever, and just say, congratulations, if you ever have any issues let me know because I'd love to have a chat to you I'd lo- if you ever need someone to to speak to because my first six months were really tough. Yeah. I really struggled emotionally. Um, you know, the world was a lot bigger back then too, the old AOL dial-up internet and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was, a, it was a bit tougher to be in contact with everyone. But still, you know, if you're going to the lower levels of professional baseball, half the team's not going to speak English. and And so my first day I rock in with all the other international players, which meant me – an Alaskan guy, and about 40 blokes that spoke Spanish. And I'd never even heard Spanish. Um, and so that was really difficult for me. Um, and then, you know, so you just – you go through all this stuff and it's, it's a really big culture shock. And so if you're not 100% prepared, if, you're, if your body's not prepared, you can't catch up. And then that leads to the start – you start doubting yourself, you start getting tired. And then so all the things that you've never questioned in your life all of a sudden start to become – you know, a doubt in your mind and you can't hit a ninety five mile an hour fastball with doubt in your mind about no. whether or not your bat's too big or you're feeling tired or you're not sure you're good enough. It just can't happen.
0: So you you're seventeen?
1: Uh, I was just eighteen.
0: Yeah. So never lived out of home? No. Cooked for yourself before? No. And then I suppose even the lifting side of things even lifting in WA before you left, you're probably not crushing yourself. And it's, you know, it, it, so then you left your own devices. So now you've got to lift in your spare time around a professional baseball schedule when things aren't going so great. You're probably, as you mentioned, you had a tough time. So then that if impacts your motivation to go and be in the gym. You'd rather just stay in your room. So you kind of almost, by not being physically ready, you almost then set yourself back even further and it's, as you said it's harder to catch up but you don't even know how to catch up that's the crazy thing they don't they don't give you the, the, the blueprint to that
1: there's so much like so I had a um, Rochelle Nichols was the waist strength conditioning coach she was awesome um, and I was really really powerful I could I'd won one RM power clean 100 kilos at 17 18 years old so I was, I was powerful but I wasn't strong probably bench press 45 kilos you know and so I, there was a mismatch between my power and my strength which is just a recipe for injury. Mm. So you know, um, so I could you know create a lot of power, but my body couldn't necessarily handle the forces. So that was the next thing that that, that hadn't come yet for me. I really hadn't started to fill out by the time. So I went into pro ball, uh, like I said, six two and a bit, seventy eight kilos or so. Six two uh, what was I one eighty something like that, um, and then came out at six almost six four. So i was still growing. Uh, two fifteen. Yeah, right. So pretty big pretty big difference um and then 215 was probably too heavy and but anyway it's a long story but the but the reality is is that um you know i was i i was still doing some stuff but i wasn't really ready you fly, you land you get in there you jet lagged and then no one in the u.s understands what a 30-hour flight is all about like like particularly back then it was just like well you got practice tomorrow mm. so i flew in practice the next day i lost all of my stuff so i had no baseball equipment i'm literally playing with a brick hard, brand new glove. Like here's a glove, here's cleats, here, like no cup. And I'm like, they're going to take, let's go take ground balls. And you know, it was just, it was just a funny, like look back, looking back at it now, it was just hilarious. I didn't, I didn't have a change of clothes, nothing.
0: And I guess the, the other thing as well, I was like, see, you know, I wasn't aware of how much you signed for, but that is a decent amount of money back then, which, you know, the more you sign for, I guess the more chances you get for a period of time. We often send kids over who signed for the bare minimum, so you know if they they land and that's their circumstance. They're almost you know the first impression is the lasting impression. Like who's this slap dick? Who's tired? Has no gear? Um, you know, like it,
1: it looks just, like he's going to blow over in a strong yeah, storm. It's
0: just like what have we got here? And this isn't going to work. And you know, there's you know there's less minor league teams now, so there's more competition. And yeah, we're just yeah you're setting yourself up to fail if if you're not ready to go. So um, yeah, it's. So the next question I kind of had is you're now in this sort of strength and conditioning game and we'll get to what strength and conditioning is in a second, but how, from when you signed, which is near 20 years ago now, but long time, it doesn't seem that long. What is the evolution in baseball between you back then and what you'd have, where you'd be now? Like what's the difference in, and what's the difference in focus on strength and conditioning now in the modern game?
1: I just think that, the the whole way that we look at baseball players has changed, and particularly probably in the last five to ten years, like with the invention of or the the real focus on analytics um, and all of that sort of stuff, I just think that, you know, back in the day you would throw a bullpen with your catcher and your pitching coach and they'd tell you, oh, that looks good, good change up, and you go, sweet, okay, cool, I'll try and throw it like that again. And you have no idea if it's good, bad, otherwise. Now they say, no, too much spin, not enough spin, you know, too high, too low, whatever, and they can give you analytics and they can help you repeat the pitch by looking at it. And I think it's very similar with strength conditioning. We can measure stuff now that we could never measure back then. So we've got accelerometers and all these different bits and pieces of techie equipment that allow us to measure stuff really quickly that we could never measure before so how's your power production um you know how how strongly we can test you for strength without having to do one rms which are dangerous for younger people um there's just so many more ways to measure and test and because if you don't what you don't test you don't know so it gives us the ability to be able to test things very very quickly and easily and then also and then then be able to track and so, you know, with our WA um, futures program that we've been running now for sort of three or four years, you know, in in its current format, it's you know we've got data on guys from when they were sixteen or fifteen, and um, and we can go back and see how they progressed, what's worked, what phases were what phases worked well, what exercises, and there's and there's constant evolution of you know what the uh, what the best strength and conditioning techniques are, and and so we've got guys that have got you know, masters of degrees in strength and conditioning that, that are on our team. And they're delving into all of these new studies about what the best way to produce athletes to perform at their best is. Um, and that's, that's a full-time job just staying up with the, with all the tech that's going on and all the advancements in, in strength and conditioning. It's really cool. It's really exciting. Um, and it means that every, you know, we're always progressing.
0: Mm. Yeah. We, we, in the last podcast, we were joking then Tyler said something very similar, like we can, we can suggest something and measure it straight away. So gone are the days of a pitching coach standing behind the pitcher saying throw more strikes or the hitting coach saying oh, you're casting your hands when you know full well they can't even tell at full speed what you're doing. Um, so it's that ability to really drill in but also see it and then actually pro- properly instruct on it rather than just say, oh, you're doing this wrong. It's like, well, I can show you what you're doing and show you how to fix it and record you doing it right and then give you that so the kid can see it in real time what they're doing and most people learn by watching. Um, so I think that's – and that, and then that stuff is readily accessible to kids now as well.
1: Well, and it's crazy, right? So back – I was still playing for the Heat, so I don't know. when that This would have been maybe early, like 2011, 2012. We had a Japanese guy, um, Yaz, Yaz Sato, who came out and he was um, – He'd done his master's on baseball pitching. And so he was literally in the space of figuring out spin rate at the time. But he would have to take video with a high speed camera and then go and put a dot on the ball every time it rotated. And then, and so like, so he would go and film. He worked with Dan Schmidt quite a bit. We had a knuckleballer from the Orioles at the time as well. And he would literally take video, go away for a week, painstakingly sit there and go click. Click, 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 figure out the spin rate of 10 or 15 pitches and then come back and have a meeting with a pitcher and say, this is your best changeup. this is your best knuckleball, this is your best – like, and that's – so So, so from 2012 to 2021, you know, it's completely different. We can get it in real time straight away with a rap soda or a track man.
0: So, so why is Australia lagging behind in baseball?
1: Why we're we lagging behind in baseball or why we –
0: why when we send kids to international tournaments are we playing? Like, obviously, there's America has more to choose from because it's their national pastime. But we produce athletes. You just have to watch an AFL game or a rugby game. There's man children running around out there. But if you see an Australian squad show up into an international tournament, our guys look smaller compared to the other guys. So are we not getting in the weight room? Are we not strength and conditioning early enough? Or what, what's, the, what's the differentiator there?
1: I think there's a couple of things um, at play there. I mean, obviously, like you said, there's just a the numbers game. At the end of the day, X number of people are going to be more conducive to being successful athletes and bigger, stronger, faster, just from a numbers game. But I think as well, in Australia, our sports are less um, power-based. So we play AFL, we play cricket, um, and we and we go to the beach and surf club and surf and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, then, and, and you can even see it between the, the AFL states and the – Rugby states, rugby states, the boys are a little bit bigger. You know what I mean? Like the boys that are rolling out and, and, and uh, that are playing in the, the state teams are generally a little bit bigger because that's a bit more of a power game. And I just think that we, we don't get stuck into that power development and that real strength development early enough. Um, you know, look, we've got through our, through our programs that we run, we have a bunch of guys that are in the AFL now that were not really lifting weights and doing any real strength conditioning of of any real consequence when they were first round draft pick in the AFL, and to me that blows my mind. And they're more worried about you know 2K time trials and and, and they're not worried about really developing their body to absorb hits because they're going to be in the AFL the next year. Mm. So I think from our perspective, I think there's there's a there's a stigma in Australia about lifting weights early. I think that there's, don't
0: start lifting till you're fully developed.
1: You'll stunt your growth. You'll you know your growth plates. Blah blah blah. Just it's, it's not true. Now, sure, like if I give you a 100-kilo barbell and you t- to do back squats, then yes, you'll probably get injured. But we're not talking about going and trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're talking about doing um, strength and conditioning. We're talking about trying to improve your performance, improve your movement patterns, improve your speed, improve your running technique, all the things that are going to help you with a, a, a multitude of different sports and a multitude of different things moving forward. And, and that can start. I mean, our youngest member is 11.
0: Mm, oh, you said that to me last week when we were chatting and I was kind of like, what? But, so what is an 11-year-old doing?
1: So he hasn't touched a barbell yet. Yeah. Yep. So he doesn't touch a barbell. Um, but he's got a whole – he's got a movement-based program for his warm-up so right. we can make sure that his his hip move, his hip mobility and, and all that sort of stuff is good. He does a little prehab thing for his knees and his ankles um, because he's a footy and a baseball guy. So there's a little, um, little bit of prehab there, does his arm care. And then he goes into things like a goblet squat and you know, he does his single leg RDLs and, and goes into a, a program that is essentially just you know, he, he, he doesn't do bench press, he does push ups. And oh, when it Yeah, so yeah. when he can do when he can do ten ten perfect push ups, we'll progress him on to the next mm-hmm. exercise And you know, what we're not he loves it. He he literally drags he's on they they got his family to come back because we had a lockdown however long ago it was, um, from holiday. So they came back and he dragged his parents in that day, like, got to go to the gym, I'm back, I've missed a week, I've got to get back in. And that's after he'd already done his trainer home program that we'd given him to take away because he didn't want to miss any days. Mm. And and so he's wired a little bit differently. Like, it's not for everyone. I don't think that it's a – it's not a you must do strength conditioning. If your kid loves it and he wants to do more stuff or she, 100%. Mm. The um, – <laughs>
0: You mentioned something there that this kid does when he gets in and it's sort of the warm-up and mobility. You must drive you bonkers to watch an amateur baseball game and the warm-ups they do nowadays, which is typically just run around the back of the field for two (laughs) minutes and stand in static stretch because that that still happens but you'd never see that at the professional level. So, you know, half of that problem is we just don't even prepare properly to go and play and that's – but that's the Australian culture of baseball, right? You sit around, shoot the shit and (laughs) – cool down and then start the game.
1: I think at a club ball level that we're we're lagged behind significantly. And, and look, we're really working hard with some clubs locally to try and, you know, build that. But the problem is a lot of it goes away at the senior level. So um, the juniors are generally better Mm. prepared. And a lot of their fundamentals nowadays with, like, a lot of people are down on Little League and all that sort of stuff. I love it. I think that the skills of the, the actual movement patterns of the kids now is phenomenal way better than when i was when i was playing because they play enough they play lots mm. um but you know and they and so they've been you know the little league teams i've coached they could all do cuts and relays they could all do you know their bunt plays they could all take a proper infield outfield they could all warm themselves up and do a proper dynamic warm-up um and you know then they roll into senior competition and how many cuts and relays you know get run how many of them are how many balls get airmailed, miss miscuts, or dog guys don't know where to be, or just can't be bothered getting there, that type of thing. So I think that part of it is uh, is potentially, you know, we don't take it serious enough as we get old enough. As we get older, I think that there's that lack of that lack of it feeling important. First grade cricket in WA, the guys are getting after it because they're playing for a whacker contract. Mm. Um, and so if you're if you're you know opening the batting for your your club at you know. At a top level, at first grade, then you're knocking on the door of a whacker contract. Mm. The problem we've got, I think, in Australia, is the gaps too big between the ABL and club ball. So you can hit 600 in your local club comp in first grade, and you're still maybe not even close to getting a look in.
0: It's a, actually a really good point. Yeah, this why, why do it all because you don't have a chance. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so it's. This podcast is about a bit ass about face, but before we started, you said, oh, I don't, I don't really like calling the business Diamond Fitness because we're not a fitness company. We're a strength and conditioning and performance business. So it'd be kind of interesting to what is strength and conditioning and how is it different to fitness?
1: Yep, for sure. Well, this, and this is part of what I always do whenever we have a new group of athletes come in is what's the difference between strength, conditioning, and fitness? And for me, fitness is how you look, how you feel. Um, so, you know, I want to lose weight, you know, I want to, I want to feel more confident about myself. That's fitness. Strength conditioning is all about performance. So how do I maximize my performance in anything? And that can be work. It can be a sport. It can just be that I want to, you know, I want to do, I'm, I'm training to do a fun run. I just want to be better in, in all areas of my life, whatever it is. But there's a very big difference about training your body to look a certain way Versus training your body to be at optimum performance. So I can I could you could come along and say, like, I want to look like this guy in a catalogue, I want to have the you know, the eight pack and be shredded and veins popping out everywhere.
0: Not necessary, already there.
1: The reality is though, is that your body probably isn't at peak performance looking like that mm. because of the food you have to eat and the and the way you have to treat yourself. You'll probably not operate you're probably really hungry and angry as shit. Because you've, you've, got, you've got no carbs in you, you're, you know, you're fasting a lot, you're training, doing heaps of boring cardio to try and keep the weight down, et cetera, um, long sessions, blah, 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 as opposed to you coming to me and saying, I want to be the best baseball player I can be, I want to be the best pitcher I can be. And I had a chat with one of our um, futures guys the other day who's like trying to cut a bit of weight, and he needs to, but he was worried about it. I said, mate, I said, you've just got to do the work and the rest will take care of itself. you might not look any different, you might not weigh massive amounts of because you're gonna put build muscle, but the reality is is your body will set what your optimal weight should be, right? Right now, this the, the correlation between your weight and your strength doesn't match. Mm. So we've got to fix that. But you might not be shredded. You might still be a bigger guy. That doesn't matter. But what we will know is your body will be in optimal shape to perform when you get on the mound. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. It's not about looking a certain way, it's about putting your body in its absolute best condition to be able to do whatever you're trying to do. And, and we're talking about baseball pitching. So in this case, baseball pitching, how do I put my body in the absolute best position to be able to perform um, the, the the duty of pitching?
0: So what we're looking to do with you in partnership is refer kids to you who want to improve strength and conditioning. So I'm interested, and I'm sure people, particularly parents and young players who are listening. It's like, well, what's the experience? Because it can be daunting walking into a gym and kind of, and I was here as well when I first walked into a gym in the US, it was like, oh, we're doing baseline testing. I had never bench pressed before. I couldn't balance the bar. just never done it. So you're embarrassing. You go and hide in the corner and wait till everyone's cleared through. I'm guessing they're not walking into your facility and doing that. What, what, and I'm, and I'm also guessing it's kind of a bespoke experience. Like we want to evaluate who you are and what you are and what you try to do, and then build programs around. It. It's not one size fits all. So, can you, like, what's what does the introduction to this type of program look like, and what can a young athlete and parents expect from it?
1: Yep. Yeah. So, with our athlete programs, the sole purpose for us is to train them. So, because we know we're giving them, we know they're going to leave. We know that our hope is that they go on to bigger and better things, and that when they go into the AIS gym, the New York Yankees gym, the wherever it is that whoever the strength and conditioning coach gives, goes, where the hell have you trained? You know what you're doing, mm. right? That's 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 our goal is to prepare people to be able to move on to wherever it is they end up and have a really good understanding about how to take care of themselves. So the step one is just we'll um, we we have like an uh, I guess an athlete exercise matrix that we put everyone through, and what that does is help us identify a training level. And then from that training level, it'll give us um, an ability to be able to provide an appropriate program with keeping the sport in mind, the age of the athlete in mind. So rather than just say you're 11 and you play baseball, hit your program, we say, okay, you can, you've can. you got good hip mobility, you're relatively strong or you're relatively weak or you're, you know, whatever you can do, your upper body's strong, your lower body's weak, you're, you're, st- you're, you're strong but you're not stable, whatever it might be, and it allows us to create um, a training level. So, yep, you can do these types of exercises. Is where you're at, and then from there, that that we we prescribe the the exercise program, and you're off to the races. And then we just help you through the the training program. So, we've got um, some athletes that we train. You know, virtually come into our facilities all the time. So, like our um, Heat Futures program with Baseball WA, they train three times a week in the gym with us, and we're there the whole time. We've got some other athletes that you know they're not local, so. They might come in for a tune-up, and we'll run them through their program, and then they'll go away and they'll lift in their, you know, in their hometown or their their school gym or or whatever, and then we just touch base with them. Um, we've got a training app that we use that allows us to communicate really easily. Uh, we can send videos back and forth, and then we try and catch up every month to review, and then every probably three months to test.
0: Right, so you're not doing online Zumba Zumba courses and stuff like that?
1: No, sir. No, sir. There'll be no. Cl- oh, when we get asked at all the time, do you do classes? And I'm like, no, because you know, like we do a we do a Saturday morning class at eight o'clock um, with um, you know with a bunch of my mates because we just want to have an excuse to catch up, and it's a better thing than doing than having a beer. <laughs> and that's the only cl- that's the only class that we run the entire time. Outside of that, you know, you, you come in, you you you'll do your prehab your arm care get your session in and then get out. And the idea is is that we again with strength and conditioning depending on the time of year will depend on how tough the workout is. So you should still be able to lift three times a week in season. Mm. Right? And that was something again that I really didn't understand when I was playing like they go, oh, you go like yeah. I mean when I played we didn't even have strength conditioning coaches. The trainer would just take us to a gym to work out. So it's a bit different now, but the reality is is that I didn't know what I really should be doing and and and, that. and the reality is, is that, yes, you should be lifting three times a week and sometimes on game days because in the off-season you've built up, mm. you know, you've built up enough um, tolerance, your body's adapted to, you know, whatever, whatever level and then in the season we just drop it back a little bit and we work at that more moderate intensity um, to make sure that we're maintaining our strength throughout the year.
0: So that's all well and good if you live in WA and you can pop into your facilities. What about... I'm a kid, well, in particular COVID. So we go into a lockdown again, or I'm a kid in New South Wales who wants to dial into this. How do you service? What does that look like? How do you service that kid?
1: Yep. So again, we've it's easy with because there's just so much cool technology now. So the real ease is, is we would just um, initial consultation would be online through Zoom or or whatever video chat of some sort, um, and then from there we can identify, we can just we can go back and forth and demonstrate exercises watch them do exercises, etc., and we can figure out that training level that we talked about before. Um, we can walk them through their first training program. And then, um, and then after that, the idea is we're trying to teach them to be independent anyway. So as long as we keep checking in, um, the exercises for the most part for a beginning athlete that's, you know, under the age of 15, we're probably good anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a full service. We could service kids from anywhere in Australia, the world, if this is the program they wanted to be in, that's pretty cool and a unique offering, particularly from a baseball perspective. The the next kind of piece that so lift, it's lifting can be pretty addictive because you'll see you see the gains with a Z um, uh, pretty quickly. So if if an athlete wanted to, if an athlete joins the program and gets into it. Um, What's a realistic expectation on development in the first six months in a year?
1: So we always say the um, the commitment level is always um, you know six months to get started. So we we, we we the anticipation is always that you should be working on six months, and a six months is a good amount of time to see a level of um, of, of performance gain. But the reality is is that it's not necessarily huge performance gains but after what we're what we're really making what we really want to see is um a level of um i guess confidence growing in the athletes we want them to feel better sleep better wake up better um fit just feel more energetic and then also be less prone to injury so the, the the first the first step of it all is is there'll be some performance gains like of course if you do you know if you've done no push-ups before and you start doing push-ups, you're going to get better at them. So there will be a level of that. Also, kids are growing. So generally, there's sort of an 8 to 10% increase in strength year on year anyway because kids are growing. So there's that that just is going to occur. We're going to assist that with a few more um, with it, with the strength and program, and there will be strength gains. But the most important part is the, the feeling that they get the confidence that they get and the, the reduction of injury and making sure that there's less of impact of growth. So, you know, the difference of between a kid when they're 13 to 18 is massive and their body changes so much. If we can minimise the impact that growth has, less susceptible injury and can maintain performance. I know that when I was 16, I went through a massive growth spurt and I was a mess and I went backwards and I was like, I'm no good anymore. Well, it wasn't that, I was just going through a growth spurt. Um, and so, I think that we can help manage the ups and downs throughout those
0: times as well. And where does where does the parent come into this part of the program? Well, what what are the expectations? Sorry, well, there's expectations that you could place upon parents, but what role can a parent play in a a player, a young player, immersing themselves into this type of strength and conditioning program?
1: I mean, the reality is, it's really no different than um then the expectations around them being part of a team it's the same thing it's just one they're the bank so that's the that's the first step and and two it's they're they're the people that you know ensure it can occur so get them to the venue they need to get them to and then try and give them the tools they they need to be able to to do the program i mean outside of that everything else is they don't need to have expertise they don't there's there's not a bunch of stuff that they need to do to be able to like they don't need to become a, a semi pseudo trainer or anything that the exercises are safe for the kids to do on their own um so that they don't, they don't really need to do a lot maybe facilitate contact back and forth with trainers because um, we all know teenage boys and girls are boys in particular are really good with the communication piece (laughs) to get grunting back across texts. Um, but, um, but for the most part, like that's, that's really it. It's, 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 it's really, the idea is to try and take it out of like, to try and make it as easy as possible. And, and we realize the role that we play in an athlete's development. Okay. So lifting like the strength conditioning piece. So there's athlete development, which I like to think is the bigger role that we play. So that's, that's mental and physical. Um, but the physical lifting weights part, it's like we're just a small cog in the wheel. And it's like going to the dentist for many people. Like it's the bit that people have to do, they don't really want to do, but it's it's imperative it's done. Mm. So for those, so, so the reality is that we know where we fit in the grand scheme of things. The kids would much rather be taking BP, taking ground balls, throwing a bullpen, pitching in a game. That's, and we, that's if it's not that way, we've done something wrong. Um, we're playing a supporting role to try and keep them on the field and maximise their performance. And, and it's really important that, that, that we as strength coaches understand our role and don't think that the athletes are there to train first with us and then do baseball second. It's just not the case. Mm.
0: So we're sort of hitting the, uh, the time limit, so I'm going to go off the run sheet and throw a question at you we haven't um, prepped you for, but this area is constantly evolving. What's the next Big topic in strength and conditioning that is going to grip the space.
1: Oh, that would have been a good one to have a heads up on. Um, I don't know that necessarily gripping the strength conditioning space per se from a um, something that's not already out there, but I think something that is real that that is needs to be focused on more potentially in Australia. Is the 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 focus around the the big core movements that don't necessarily need to be done? So like bench press, back squat, deadlift. While they're good indicators for strength and good exercises, they don't necessarily need to be in everyone's program. And I think people can 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 actually get far better at what we call um, orthopedic reduce orthopedic cost. So instead of trying to back squat. Um, you know 100 kilos we can single leg squat off a box with far less stress on the body but create the same um, the same loads as far as a strength gain so we can we can start reducing the impact so when you go single leg you get 80 percent of your body weight Hmm. so it's and so what we're talking about is unilateral training versus bilateral training so i think that that's something that probably hasn't been really focused on a lot um, that the, the most of the stuff that I see around the place, everyone's, you know, trap bar deadlifting and um, and back squatting and, and and all that sort of stuff. And I just I think there's a lot of stuff that there that that getting into that unilateral spa, uh, unilateral space, we can really create some um, some separation. We can allow kids to get stronger quicker with less likelihood of injury.
0: It doesn't look so good on the uh, old Instagram account though. If you're doing a one-legged squat as opposed to a trap deadlift, what about the recovery space, like sleep, really started being discussed. Oh, you know, the last couple of years and optimizing sleep. And you know, one of the things uh, Tyler and I were joking about is how, how do you get a team ready for a tournament? But you get a bunch of sixteen to eighteen year old boys on a tournament. It's not like anyone's going to sleep early. And but that's probably the most important piece is that recovery. How do you educate athletes around that the recovery side of things and taking care of their body, not just trying to smash it and get big in the gym, but You've got to actually recover on the back end of it.
1: Yeah. So look, my favourite saying is how you do anything is how you do everything. And so from that perspective, like if you really want to take it seriously, and the biggest challenge with a group of 16-year-olds is half the kids want to be real serious and half the kids are there because they're good enough. But they're not – like it's not their future. Mm-hmm. They, and so that's the that's the juggling act. But the reality is, is that those habits about doing everything as to the maximum of your ability – that's that's really important and so I think that you know that they're trying to put the onus back onto the players with education and you'll be amazed at the choices kids will make when they get choices as opposed to being told so like from my perspective you know I've, I've always it's a far better situation where you educate them so this is this is what the elite guys do this is what the best in the world do this is you know these are the types of expectations that they put on themselves what do you guys want to do mm.
0: And have you seen, particularly with the Heat up and running and you're bringing professional and pretty good prospects in, they're obviously good prospects because they've got tools, but from what I have seen, a lot of those guys have got real kind of get-up-and-go. So is that rubbing off on the younger players? Because they're sort of the junior Heat guys. There is some exposure and they can see that. Is that rubbing off and that's permeating through the game? What are you seeing from that perspective?
1: Look, we... Oh, I mean, the, the, there's no doubt the imports, and particularly the guys that Rays send us out are phenomenal. Like, they're all legit guys. And, and, one, of the, and one of the guys who might have seemed like a surprise to be a big leaguer and a long-term big leaguer um, or a regular is Mikey Brasau. So, like, he's kind of a no-tool kind of guy, mate workhorse and a gamer. So not surprised to see him, to him, him stay in the big leagues for such a long amount of time and play a really important role for them. So I think it's great for our guys to be able to see them the biggest challenge with the with the ABL season is they're not around much. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like we try and get them, and again the Rays guys, but in particular, are really invested because they they send their coaches and stuff out with the, with for the for the heat as well, and they have a really big impact um, as far as trying to get involved with our, our junior programs and and all that sort of stuff. Um, the time's just not as long as we'd like. If you think you're only here for you know December, January, and you know into February a little bit. And then you take all the road trips and all that sort of stuff. Then just, it's hard to get them around them as much as you like. But they definitely get a glimpse at it. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely work hard, um, but at the same time, you know, it's probably not enough of time to, to really for everyone to really get the to, to get the the maximum they could out of it. But it's it's good, great for them to see pro guys again. I don't know that I'd seen any pro players, minor league players, prior to going away um, outside of my, a, a short interaction with the. Um, with some Australian team guys.
0: Mm. We predicted that we could just talk for hours on this type of stuff, so I need to cut it off because it's Friday afternoon and um, there's things that need to be done. So we this won't be the last podcast and I really appreciate it. It was, it was awesome to sort of start to understand how the game is evolving in this space. So thanks very much and uh, we'll have you back soon. Beauty, thanks, mate.